What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of season two. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it is your boy, seven-year-old Bruno. Kurt, ask me why I'm seven years old. Bruno, why are you seven years old? Because I was seven years old the last time the Patriots had a losing record in October. And here we are. <sighs> ah, big sigh. Bruno, so, I have one thing to say and one thing to say only. All right, go go right ahead. I miss Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, if you follow Kurt on social media, that's not a surprise. Bruno, I have one other thing to say. <laughs> okay, go right ahead, Kurt. <laughs> I am was up very late last night. Like I'm talking till about 4.45 a.m. Goofing hours. Goofing hours, as my boy Bruno likes to call him. But what was I doing during those long midnight hours, Bruno? Probably some unmentionable things, but please go ahead and tell me <laughs> the things you're going to talk about on the show. Well, no, we can mention them all. <laughs> pretty safely can say we can mention them all. I was watching Tom Brady highlights oh, when God. he was with the Patriots. Oh, and God. I... I feel like it was one of those scenarios, like I don't remember what cartoon it used to be, but like the the person like rocking back and forth in front of like a TV. That was like that was me last night watching oh Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform. Courage the Cowardly Dog, maybe? Or Wow, that know. that that show was something. I just remember a grandma one of the grandparents or something rocking back on a chair and that. I don't know if that's the show you're talking about, but that's what you made me think of. So in my head, it was SpongeBob, but we can go with Courage and the Dog, <laughs> or just the Dog on Fire meme, you know, whatever. Oh my God! It, yeah, that was probably more was more like it. Um, Bruno, are we ready to get into the other games before we inevitably go to my funeral when we talk about the Patriots game? Well, you can hear the sadness in your voice, so we're going to start at the top like we always do. That was a little sneak peek tease of how exactly Kurt is feeling and also dealing with everything. But, Kurt, I will start at the beginning, and I'll, we'll work our way to sadness. How about that? So, Bruno, what's the beginning? Would that be Thursday Night Football? Uh, I do believe so, my good friend, Kurt. I. Well, Thursday Night Football this week uh, was like the Pooper Bowl because it was two NFC East teams, so automatically we all lose. Yeah, and I feel like also it's like we associate Thursday night Thursday night football with bad football, and we associate the NFC East with bad football. So it's kind of just perfect if you're, if you're yeah. that's what we're going for. Absolutely. Um, in this one, Bruno, the Eagles come back from a ten point deficit in like the last six minutes to come out on top, twenty two to twenty one over the Giants. And here's the crazy thing, Bruno. Here's the crazy thing: the Eagles now have two wins. The Giants have one win, but one of those teams is in first place and the other one is in last place. <laughs> so that's how bad that division is. Yeah, pretty bad. And uh, speaking of also bad, I don't know where you wanted to start, but let's just start with the the worst part of this game. Uh, Daniel Jones, for those who missed it, just Google Daniel Jones running versus Eagles and you're going to just have yourself a laugh. I will say the Internet is completely undefeated. The Internet does not lose. <laughs> Those memes that they came out with after the game were just they were they were hilarious. I saw one that was like Daniel Jones running. It might have been from Barstool. It was like Daniel Jones running on a win probability graph and he was running 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 and then he, right as he fell in the clip the win probability spiked out as well. Too good. Too it good. was way too good. I will say this. Did you see the stat that said Daniel Jones ran like I don't know the exact miles per hour but like over 20 they said that he ran faster on that run than anything Tyreek has run Tyreek Hill has run this year. 
Yeah, I, I mean, come on. We're not math guys. Clearly, whoever came out with that stat is not a math guy either because that just that cannot be accurate. Just blatantly disregarding our eyeballs because our right. eyeballs don't lie. Yeah, never lie. Literally never. But yeah, so the Eagles come out on top on that one. The, it's amazing how why we keep talking about the NFC East because it's such a bad division, but they're going to remain incredibly relevant for the entirety of the season because five wins could win that division. Right, and... I'll tell you what, Kurt, n- I'm not necessarily shocked by how this game went because just when you think you have a handle on what's going to happen in the NFC East, the opposite kind of happens. So like just like in the game, how you thought the Giants maybe were going to pull this one out and they, they didn't, that doesn't necessarily shock me. The biggest takeaway is is about the Eagles for me, and it's like I know Miles Sanders was hurt and you know was out and or, or at least was injured during the game. At some point, he got hurt. I know Zach Ertz was out and he wasn't playing. I get that, right? Every team has injuries. That's the part of it. But for the Eagles, it's almost like the football gods are handing the division to the Eagles and are saying everything bad, everything way worse is happening to these other teams. This should be your division to lose. And they almost just threw this game away and like threw away a precious win that could help them win. It's crazy that the Eagles are not taking more advantage of what's been happening in this division than they are. Right. And like you mentioned, I know they have been bitten by the injury bug, but it's the NFL. That shit happens, right? Right. So the Eagles, everything in my brain is telling me they should win that division. The Cowboys are ridiculously bad. Washington is meh. The Giants are meh. Okay. Right. Like that should be the Eagles division. And they, like you mentioned, they haven't shown that they, they really want it. So we'll see <laughs> what, something to monitor going forward for sure. Right. Uh, moving, moving along. <laughs> Bruno, the Atlanta Falcons, man. Oh God, how many heartbreaking losses can a team have in the first seven weeks? Let me just ask you this: Are there any even Atlanta Falcons hearts left to break at this point? Are they all just broken? I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> that is <laughs> because good. if it hasn't happened already, they're finding a any and all hearts that remain each and every week. They're like, let's just get to the hundred percent broken because every week, Kurt, I feel like this entire season. When we come to the Falcons part of our podcast, it's been the same exact story. And Bruno, so in this game, the Lions win 23-22 on a last second uh, score again. And it's it was it was poor by the Falcons because I don't know if you if you watched or caught any of the game, Bruno, but with about a, a minute to go, just over a minute to go, um, the Falcons were down by two. I think it was and 15, 14. Uh, yep. Yeah. And Todd Gurley's rushing and they let him score. Like they let him score. And Todd Gurley, you can see in the in the play, he's trying so hard to get down at the one yard line, but he literally just falls into the end zone. So the Falcons go up by a touchdown and um but it left too much time on the clock and the Lions go right down the field and they score on a fourth down play to win the game. And it's just like the Todd Gurley was so mad after the game because he's like, that's on me. I'm mad as hell. Like I gotta, I gotta get down and stuff. But the, like you mentioned, the Falcons just find ways to lose games. And I, I've, it's been hard being a Patriots fan this year. I can't imagine being a Falcons fan and losing the Super Bowl to us and then continuously being terrible the years following and losing games in this fashion. Yeah, I, I can't imagine being a team that when they want to score, can't, and when they don't want to score, they can. That's absolutely ludicrous. Luda nailed the timing. We'll get better. We'll get better. <laughs> I, it's just crazy. Yeah, just to repeat your point, Todd Gurley did not want to score. 
and he fell into the end zone because he could not stop his momentum and he scored and it's like okay like you know it's not like it was inherently a negative play you went up they got the two point conversions they're up six so it's like it's not all bad but like you just knew you knew as soon as that mistake happened as soon as matt stafford gets the ball back in clutch time it's just like things are going to break the way so that it's a game winning well I guess a game tying touchdown with the two point or sorry with the extra point after, but you just, you just knew that the, the lines were going to come back and find a way to win just because the Falcons are just finding ways to lose for the millions of people out there who are listening to this podcast and don't understand why the Falcons tried to not score. Basically they, if they, if Todd Gurley had fallen down at the one yard line, they could have made Detroit burn all their timeouts by taking a knee and then kick a field goal with literally no time left. That's right. going to be a, 17 yard field goal like we're talking like just hysterically short um so that's what they were trying to do and obviously they couldn't do that right and they lose the game because of it yeah and again it's like i don't know even if there's anything else to say for the falcons let's just shoot let's just lower the bar for the falcons you and me right now kurt let's lower this bar they are no longer trying to win in my mind let's just start with them by losing in a normal fashion. Let's just start there, Falcons. Learn how to lose in a normal, non-heartbreaking fashion, and then let's try to win. Because it seems like you can't even handle that. Correct. I think that's a good, I think that's a great place to start. Bruno, real quick before we move on, I do yep. have to hand up again. Credit to me for putting my hand up. Okay. I said Matt Patricia was going to be the first coach to get fired. Okay. He's now won back-to-back games and they're three and three. Don't look now. Matt Patricia has a better record than Bill Belichick. Well, Kurt, I was not ready for that. So that was a, a punch to the gut. Also, to your point, though. So first of all, credit to you for uh, raising your hand up. I just saw that. Um, and second of all, they just traded for Everson Griffin today from the Cowboys, which tells me, right, that they're like they're thinking they're going to go on a run or be competitive or do something. Yeah. I don't think you're I don't think you're a buyer in in this market. Right. I don't think you're a buyer unless you're trying to win. That's yeah. at least what I'm thinking. Correct. So. It seems like Patricia, at least for now, has the, you know, has the, his seat has cooled, if you will. Yes, it's it's definitely uh, chilled down a little bit because it was, it was scorching hot earlier. Right. Uh, moving on to the Browns and the Bengals. Classic AFC North matchup. Um, the Bengals lose the game 37-34 and they drop to 1-5. and five, But they've played like a team who's a much better than a 1-5 and five record shows. And so much of that is credit to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. That boy can play, Bruno. He can play. Yeah, and Kurt, I'm not going to lie to you. You're normally a segue expert. Uh, I'm not going to critique you because you know we're we're friends here. But I thought you were going to go. Speaking of scorching hot, Baker Mayfield and the Browns after his fifth pass attempt, scorching hot. Because I'm pretty sure he started like 0 for five and then was like he 21 did. for 22. He was 0 for five and then he got hot. They yeah. know what, Bruno? Hand up again on me. That would have been a great trade. <laughs> but not, it's okay. A game. We still no 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 no. You just well you did stay up very late last night, so we know that that does affect the brain yeah. when you don't get enough sleep. Not me because I'm not a normal human, but for normal people, we know how that works. Anyways, to go back to your original point, I do agree that the Bengals just have completely transformed themselves in terms of like how you might think about them or look at them. They went from basically like a laughing stock to like the red rocket to jokes so now it's like even though their record isn't great they're fighting they're competing we see highlights from them we see joe burrow kind of like starting to change the culture around so good for them but also this is kind of like a weird game overall to look at because it's like on the other side of it you have the browns who you can take it you can look at this two ways right the start of the game you have both baker going over five 
playing horribly. And then OBJ gets injured, eventually comes out. He's done for the game, done for the year. So that's about as horrible as a start you can have. Right. But then they completely turn it around. He responds to all that adversity by going 21 of his next 22. And I think his only incompletion there was like a spike or something. That it wasn't was. his fault. And that his last completion is a touchdown pass, which is an amazing throw to the like right corner of the end zone with like 10 seconds left to win the game. So yeah. it's like you can look at it from that perspective about how the Browns stepped up and answered adversity. Or you can just take the perspective where, you know, I know we're giving credit to the Bengals, but it is still the Bengals. And it's like you needed that. You needed a Herculean effort from Baker Mayfield to beat the Bengals. So it's like, I, what what kind of perspective are you looking at this from, Kurt? Yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, the Bengals are what they are. Joe Burrow is going to keep them in a lot of ball games this year, but they're largely irrelevant due to the lack of talent surrounding them. For me, this is more about Cleveland. Cleveland's now five and two. They figured out a way to win. OBJ was out like the entirety of the game pretty much, and he's going to be out the entirety of the season. So getting comfortable playing without him, who's a, you know, at the end of the day, he's a playmaker for your club, and he's not going to be out there. So even though it's Cincinnati, even though they're a one and five team, the Bengals pulled it out. They scored twenty points in the fourth quarter to win the game. Baker Mayfield gets hot when he needs to get hot, and and they're moving on. They're sitting at five and two right now, Bruno. It the looks Cleveland like Browns. I know it's it is wild. It looks to me like you're going to have three teams from the AFC North in the playoffs this year with the yeah. seven teams. So yeah, I mean, and I think. You know, the biggest things with the Browns is just finding consistency. And the biggest thing with the Bengals is what are they going to be at the market? And I'm sure they're a team we're going to circle and come back to when we're assessing what we want the Patriots to do. Because sneak peek of what's to come, potentially some uh, things we might want from the Bengals if we think that the season is salvageable. But I don't want to get too into it. Don't want to get too into it. <laughs> That's a great teaser. That's a great yes. teaser. And yes. you know, you know what's also like a, a good tease, Bruno? What's a good tease? A good tease is uh, the the blue balls the Titans fans had in their comeback efforts. Oh my God! What? He's back. Kurt's back, baby. That was better. That was a better transition. <laughs> um, so basically, in a battle of unbeaten teams, two five and zero teams, Steelers Titans meet up, um, and it looked like this game was going to be a goddamn blowout. It was twenty four to seven at the half, Pittsburgh. Uh, the Titans came roaring back. Derrick Henry really got hot in the second half. Tannehill got hot in the second half. A couple really stupid Ben Roethlisberger interceptions, especially the last one. They're in field goal range late in the game, and Big Ben throws a ball, double coverage, gets intercepted, gives the Titans a chance to come back down and have a chance to win the game. They just don't. They don't do it, and they and they get their first loss of the season. But. Um, it looked like utter domination in the first half and then only scoring three points in the second half was really strange. Yeah, and I'd like to start by giving credit to you. You've been pretty on point with your Steelers analysis all season, including our picks. I'm pretty sure in this game I had the Titans, you had the Steelers. So once again, Kurt proves that his brain is pretty big, even though we already knew that, and even though I don't care. Definitely not mad, definitely not upset, whatever. Who cares? I'm Hold on, stop talking gonna, about it. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. Because maybe. Will I allow this? You will allow because okay, I, I haven't gone back and checked, but I think for the first time this season, you beat me in picks this week. Okay. I haven't checked either. And also, we're not math guys, so I don't want to celebrate too early. But stats guy who doesn't exist, please check that and get back to us later in this episode. Thank Correct. you. Correct. Oh, who is calling me? That's is that, that is, a stats guy? That's poor timing. It's Abby. Abby's calling me. Is, so, so stats guy. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Abby is our stats guy. This is going to be funny when she hears this. Wait, I'm not going to lie, Kurt. I literally said stats guy looked this up and then your phone rang. So yeah. spooky? 
Bruno, that was weird. That was weird. I, I hear I hear calling again. Are you calling her back? <laughs> I'm calling her back right now, but just so she can see what's going on because she oh just realized God, she's hilarious. going to be in the podcast this week well, on that call. Also, let me just rephrase then. We're not saying stats guy. We're saying stats person because that was funny. That was such weird timing. That was wild. All right. Well, um, I'm going to hang okay. up <laughs> on Abby. Bye, Ab. Okay. Bye, Abby. But um, <laughs> okay, so she's gone. That was funny. Yep. Um. So yeah, our stats guy slash Abby is going to look at and look into that, right? And so I guess I'll just go with my my actual point here. So again, credit to you for picking the Steelers. My actual point that I was going to say was I feel like it's hard to come away from this game with like a very positive or very negative opinion for either team, right? Because obviously, at the end of the day, it's a good win for the Steelers. Like you said, they started hot. They did not end well. They kind of just hung on and survived, even though their second half looked very sloppy. And, you know, they won the game, but there's the positives and the negatives there, right? The Titans, they started atrociously. And while they did come back in the second half to make it competitive, you like, obviously, you usually need to play a complete game to win in the NFL, right? So, like, I feel like for both, there's such a positive and such a negative that you can see that I don't really think my opinion of these teams changes too much from where they were before this game. I think if you play this game again, the Titans could potentially won, or you could say maybe the Steelers put them away even more. Like it doesn't, I don't come away from this game really thinking too much different. We knew the Steelers were good, even though I may have called them frauds. We knew the Titans were decent. You know, they, at least they put up a fight. So I think that's, I kind of come away from this game where I think that for both teams, they can look at the positive and negatives, and then you know we'll see how they keep on going from here. I think for me, it comes down to the Steelers, I believe, are being carried by their defense. Big Ben is playing well enough, but come playoff time, I don't think what he's shown so far will be enough, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so we'll, we'll, something to monitor. The Steelers are the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Wild, but here's a spoiler. I don't think they'll be undefeated after this week, but we'll get to that oh. another time. Okay, um, okay. So, tease. yeah, tease, okay. tease, tease, <laughs> tease. So basically, um, that game that that's going to be fun to monitor um, the rest of the way. I think both teams will be there come playoff time, and that game obviously had big implications for seeding, probably. So we'll see what we'll see what happens at the end of the season there. Um, in a game battle of NFC South foes, uh, the Saints come out on top 27-24 over the Panthers. I will say, I don't think this, I think we can now say, even though the Saints won this game, they're not as good as I think we both expected them to be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I had them in my way too early before the season started. I had them as the NFC Super Bowl representative. That's what I thought. Um, and it's now really tough to stand by that just because, again, the consistency is it, they're like one of the more inconsistent teams that are like relevant and good that we you can find. Right. Because they have those flashes where they're just so good. And then they have those flashes where it's like Drew Brees can't even throw the ball. They can't do anything on offense. They try to get too gimmicky with Taysom Hill. It's kind of crazy. I know they had Michael Thomas out for this game and Emmanuel Sanders. But at the end of the day, it, you're still the Saints and they're still the Panthers. So like the fact that this was only a three point win from the Saints not very convincing and i agree with you like maybe you can scrape by some of these games in the regular season and yes there's still plenty of time for your team to grow and people to get healthy and kind of chemistry and whatever there's still plenty of time but like this sort of effort is not going to get it done against the elite of like the packers the seahawks or even teams like the cardinals or the rams like i don't think that's going to get it done against those teams correct i agree with you 100 percent. i as someone who has michael thomas on his fantasy team uh oh who has only scored 3.2 fantasy points this season <laughs> oh it, my god uh yeah 
all season. So um, I they've done a good job getting to four and two without arguably their best player, but they're going to need to show me more going forward. I do think Matt Rule has done a nice job with the Panthers. They're currently three and four, but I I don't even think I would have had them there through seven games. I think I would have had them at like one and six or two and five maybe, but they've been you know largely competitive the last couple of weeks here, and I, I, that's great for them. Yeah, and the only other thing I'll say, I agree with you there. The only other thing I'll say is that I'm happy Teddy Bridgewater continues to play well. He's like a feel-good story. Obviously, the horrific knee injury and then went to the Panthers, and we were all kind of like waiting to see how he would do, and it seems like he's been playing well, and you know, like they're at least they're competitive, right? Like at least if you have a team that doesn't have a great record, um, you at least want them to be competitive. But speaking of that, Kurt, mm-hmm. what is the next game on the list? The next game on the list comes from the AFC East uh, first place team and the AFC East last place team. And the Jets have been so uncompetitive in a lot of their games this year. They actually fought in this game, Bruno. I was actually, I put my Jets hat on. I was Jets because I was like, please, God, don't let the Bills win another game because the Patriots need to gain ground on the Bills. Uh, but ultimately the Jets suck and uh they <laughs> they they sucked their way at the end and then they lost. So they yeah. 18 to 10 to the to the Josh Allen's uh Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I mean this is such a like it's just like it's like you find out that this if you told someone what happened in this game where the last place team was up 10 to nothing over the first place team and then the first te- place team comes back but they only won because they made six out of eight field goal attempts and ended up winning 18 to 10 and the and the last place team didn't score the rest of the way if you said ask that person who was the last place team you'd probably say the jets this just has jets written all over it it's just unbelievably jets to have that kind of game happen to them when they had a chance to be like okay like we're not we're not you know we can win a game we're not going to go winless on the season but you know here we are. Yeah, that game was about as Jets as it gets. Um, and it it did show... Okay, I think this game told me more about Buffalo than it did about the Jets. Yep. I, I predicted at the, beginning, at the beginning of the season that Buffalo was going to win the division. Um, ultimately, I'm going to stick by that pick probably because the Patriots have looked so goddamn bad the last two weeks. But Buffalo, I don't think, is as good as we're kind of making them out to be. Um, Josh Allen is is a very, very good quarterback. I'd even call him, I'd argue, a great quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, but they, they're doing things that make them susceptible to a lot of different looks. And I think they, they could be a little bit vulnerable. They've been outscored. They're five and two and they've been outscored. That's not a recipe for success in the NFL. Um, so obviously they're heading into a massive, massive game this weekend with the Patriots. If they win this game against the Patriots, they could pretty much put them not eh, put them away too early, but like the Patriots would have really dug themselves a hole. So the Bills, the Bills kind of have the Patriots like they're stepping on their throats. Let's see if they can they can actually, you know, finish a job. Yeah, and I, I was gonna bring that up if you didn't. Like I saw on Twitter that tweet that was like the bills have been outscored as a whole on a, on the whole for the season. And it was talking about how much of a statistical outlier it was that, that they have such a good winning record while also being outscored. Again, I'm not a math guy. That's stats are stats math. You tell me, I'm not going to decide for you right now. I'm just going to keep talking and pretend that that wasn't math. Cause again, not a math guy. That being said to us dolphins though, question mark, question mark. They can't coming off a bye this week They're They've been playing very competitive. 
I'm just saying, if we end up beating the Bills this weekend and Tua looks great and they win their game this week, so what, the Bills would be like five and three and the Dolphins would be four and three or something like that? Yeah. Like that's like I'm just saying, if Tua comes in and is playing like playing really well and the Dolphins can just sneaky be a contender for this division, and obviously assuming the Patriots don't turn around, who knows, Kurt? This division is going to be a lot more interesting coming down to the wire than it usually has been over the last 11 billion years with the Patriots in charge. Oh, yeah, 100%. No, I, I agree with that for sure. I just re- I don't I don't think it was smart to put Tua in, but that's a whole different discussion. I, yep. And I'm sure we'll get into that eventually. Yep. But um, no doubt competitive division going forward here. But the um, the Bills, you know, get get that get another AFC East victory, move to five and two. Uh, I'm a, we're going to talk about this game for approximately 18 seconds because <laughs> the Washington football team obliterates the Cowboys 25 to three shout out Bruno for correctly picking this game. I don't think I'm ever going to pick the Cowboys again, ever. As long as they exist. <laughs> I don't have anything to add other than just absolutely hilarious when Andy Dalton got injured and the Cowboys were like, Oh shit, who even is our next quarterback up? Ben DiNucci or something like that. I don't even know what his name was. Just hilarious. I turned the game off because I was like, I'm so disinterested in this. It's not even funny. Yeah, there's nothing to even take away from this game. I mean, you're beating the Cowboys when they, you know, Andy Dalton literally can't do anything. And then his backup comes in. So it's like, you know, nothing really. I mean, good for the Washington football team. Maybe this propels them into the division race. But, you know, we just talked about the MCE. So we'll see how that goes. Bruno, I have a question. Did you ever watch that MTV show back in the day called Next? I don't think I did. Okay, so next was this really, really cringe, 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 cringe MTV show where like it's like a dating thing where it's like uh, you have like these four random people who get on a bus and they all get like one at a time get off the bus and they like have like go on a date with this person and the person who's like not on the bus basically gets to be like when they don't think the date's going well they go like next and then the person can get whatever amount of they get like a dollar for every minute they're on the date. (laughs) <laughs> okay that was a really bad re- that sounds incredible that was a really bad analysis of that but the point is it was always so funny on this show next that like someone would literally take two steps off the bus and the person would just go next because they didn't like him <laughs> oh god get him out of my sight i am the i am the dater and the cowboys oh. are the ones coming off the bus and i'm i'm yelling next the second i see them i don't ever want to see them again kurt is saying on to the next one. On to the next one, and which is not talking about the Cowboys anymore. Uh, yep. We're going to go to the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers Packers. Uh, they really just kind of gave it to the Texans. And the real story here is Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams looked like the best receiver in football again uh, last week in the 35-20 victory over the Texans. Yeah, I think the only thing that can stop Devontae Adams at this point is his own health because it feels like he's not at like Julio Jones level of always being injured as a wide receiver, but he's like he does have his fair share of missing games here and there. But man, when he is playing, he is unstoppable. And Aaron Rodgers loves throwing to him and they've been playing together forever. It's like when you have a top tier, you know, MVP level quarterback throwing to a top tier MVP level wide receiver, it's like, what are you going to do? So he's unbelievable. The other thing to note about the Packers, they still put up 35 and had a pretty comfortable game against the Texans, win against the Texans, didn't even have Aaron Jones, who's just quietly one of the better running backs, at least fantasy-wise, but also in general that the the league has this year. So I don't have a ton of takeaways from this game from like a macro overall perspective. We knew the Packers were good and could score. We knew the Texans are just kind of like shitting themselves this year. It kind of continued both of those trends. I don't know if you had any other thoughts. No, I don't really have any any other thoughts. I think that uh, 
you know, Packers had an impressive performance. Aaron Rodgers looks really, really, really good. And the Texans are, you know, they're not, they're underachieving. And I know they fired their head coach midseason, and that's always tough, but they look largely irrelevant too. So we'll see how they progress going down the stretch. But an incredible game from Devontae Adams, and hopefully he stays healthy because when he's on the field, it is electric stuff. Electric. Speaking of electric. Oh, here we go. Tom Brady absolutely <laughs> goes off in Las Vegas. Those four touchdowns, 370 yards through the air. He's He had such a good game that Max Kellerman admitted that he didn't fall off a cliff. That was nuts when I saw that. For those who don't know, Max Kellerman has been saying for like four years that Tom Brady has fallen off the cliff, and he's not a, not a good quarterback anymore, and he's not – He's a game manager and blah, 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 blah. Well, motherfucker, it's very clear that Tom Brady is the GOAT, will always be the GOAT, and is still playing like the GOAT because when he has weapons at his disposal like he has in Tampa Bay, look what he puts out in the field. Yeah, he's not throwing to Jacoby Myers anymore. He's not throwing to Edelman on one on one <laughs> leg. He's not throwing to Ryan Izzo anymore. Oh, he's God. throwing to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, who's come out of nowhere, Cameron Bray, OJ, well, OJ Howard's hurt. Gronk looks like the old Gronk. And now this motherfucker gets Antonio <laughs> Brown. Kurt, uh, you mad, bro? Yeah, I'm mad, bro. They put up 45 <laughs> points and didn't have uh, Antonio Brown. And now they're like, here you go. Yeah, literally just ridiculous. And I mean, just to, just to further your points, Gronk with another solid game, five catches, 62 yards and a touchdown, continuing to just get better every week and shit down Kurt's throat. Kurt's really, really happy about that. Also really, really happy about Antonio Brown joining that team. Everyone was talking about how the Chiefs are the, you know, like the Avengers with them getting Le'Veon Bell, but the Bucks out here quietly being like, look at us, we're getting, we're adding in Antonio Brown to the team that like literally is already stacked to the max on offense. So I mean, I don't even know what to say. And it's like, again, here's the other thing, right? They already have chemistry. Like, they've already worked out together. Even though he wasn't, Antonio Brown wasn't on the Patriots that long, they still practiced a ton together, kept in touch, worked out. So it's not going to be one of those things where we'll have to be like, oh, we'll see how it develops. You know, it's already probably going to, he's probably going to come out and look pretty good at some ease and shape. So, you know, you absolutely love to see that. Kurtz, if for those who can't see, which is everyone, because people forget this is a podcast and you don't see it, Kurt is slouching. He is depressed. His head is in his hands. He is not very happy. I'm just going to talk because I don't want to make Kurt say these words, but the Bucks just won a game by 25 where they didn't need more offensive help, and now they are getting it. Look out the rest of the NFL because we could be looking at a, another Super Bowl for our boy Tom Brady, this time not on the Patriots. And I'll and I'll be happy if Brady wins another one. Like I would like to see Brady win another one before he you know inevitably rides off into the sunset. But like I've I've used this analogy a lot that it's like your ex like going on and finding this really, really, really hot human being that they're gonna get with, and you're gonna have to watch the entire thing as you're now dating someone who looks like dog shit. So oh God. so <laughs> That's what I have going for us right here in New England. And good for Tom because Tom, the writing was on the wall in New England. I think Tom saw it coming. He's like, I'm not staying here. I got to maximize my opportunities because I don't have a ton left. And to say he is maximizing them is an understatement. But uh, P.S. I still hate Rob Gronkowski. Yep, I knew that was coming. And again, I will completely admit at this current time, it looks like it's not even a question who won the trade, if you will, it wasn't an actual trade, but who won the trade in terms of like 
Tom Brady and the Bucks, what he's getting versus Belichick and the past, what we're doing. Obviously, we'll have to see the final results to really evaluate it. But I'll tell you what, Kurt, it's certainly not fun right now. Uh, it's anything but fun right now. Uh, yep. But Brady looks like he's having fun. So good for Tom. Yeah. <laughs> good, good for him. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> uh, next game, Bruno, the, in the snow, the Chiefs obliterate the Broncos, the team that we just absolutely got our shit beaten in by two weeks ago. Uh, goes and gets their shit beaten by the Kansas City Chiefs. So <laughs> that just puts us at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Uh, final in that game was 43-16. Drew Locke, a couple bad interceptions again. Mahomes did it. And Mahomes is what Mahomes is. And I mean, uh, there's nothing to say about the Chiefs. They've scored 40-plus points again. They're going to be there. You know they're going to be there at the end of the year. So just another vintage performance from, from Andy Reid's boys. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. The Broncos stink. And then also for the Chiefs, it's frustrating because we already knew they could put up points on offense. That was not a question. And in this game, they get a pick six and they get a kick return for a touchdown. So they're just being able to casually score 40 plus points in literally every way possible. So absolutely delightful to see that from you know the team that kind of dethroned the Patriots as a potential dynasty versus the team that shit on us last week and then they get shit on. So all around, Kurt, just from every possible angle you could look at this, it's just magnificent. Yeah, it's it's really great. I'm really yeah. thrilled about it. Uh, so happy. If anyone wants a laugh, uh, you should go watch Jackson Mahomes' TikTok from this week's game because he vlogs his game day experience and I i'm not going, hate that guy i am not going to say anything about it <laughs> just go watch it do yourself a favor and i'm gonna i'm going to challenge you not to laugh okay i fucking hate that guy kurt so i may have to rage watch that i don't like him but i i dislike don't need mahomes better more oh better, wait more. i didn't know if that was a part okay if that's a part of it then i'm okay i might have to look it up i'm confused because i haven't seen it so i don't know what to say well Bruno, it's just terrible. It's just okay. It's cringe. And Brittany, right, Mahomes, I have some. Yeah, Brittany Mahomes makes a small entrance in it, but she's just the worst. Okay, well, I have some homework to do, so Speak, uh, I'll get back to you. Speaking of the worst, the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> lose wow. lose their sixth straight game. Justin Herbert gets his first victory as a starter. Is that true? Was that is that me being telling the truth? Uh, they're two and four. I feel like maybe one of their wins came with Tyra Taylor before he punctured or the doctors punctured his lung. People forget that happened and we just kind of glossed right over that. So uh, you're probably right. I think. Yeah. I don't know if I'm right or not, but a great game by Herbert. He looks like a, he could be all pro for all I know, man. That guy is he's balling. They score 39 points. They, uh, they put the Jaguars away. Keenan Allen was highly involved for the chargers. And, um, I, I don't know They're the chargers are two and four similar, similarly to the Patriots, but I feel like they're on the up and up. Justin Herbert is a I'm all in on the Herbert train. Yeah. And as we say every single week with the Jaguars, thank God they got their win out of the way week one because they don't look like they're sniffing a win for any time in their foreseeable future. Great win for the Chargers. They kind of need us as a confidence boost after we've talked about how they've played some of the top teams really, really close. It's good that they could, you know, kind of feast on a bottom team. I agree a lot about Justin Herbert. I love these highlights that I keep seeing of him just launching the ball downfield. The perfect quarterback, I feel like, for a receiver like Keenan Allen, who's always a deep threat as long as he's healthy. He's not one of those wide receivers who can never be healthy, but when he is, he's just a huge huge deep breath, deep, deep threat, him and Mike Williams. So exciting for the Chargers. If you're a Chargers fan, obviously your record isn't where you want it to be. But I, like you said, Justin Herbert sounds like he's the absolute future. And if you can start building around him now, hopefully it can lead to something in the future. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm excited for the Patriots game later in the season where they visit the Chargers and we'll get to see Justin Herbert firsthand. So I'm looking forward to that one. 
you can just feel the enthusiasm dripping out of Kurt's face, Kurt's face, Kurt's voice on that one. I don't even know if I'm going to make it to that point in the season. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's not assume anything. Yeah, so I might just call it quits before then. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyways, in what I believe is the game of the week. Okay. Also, shout out Big Brain, Big Brain Bruno for co- correctly picking this game. The Bang! Cardinals, our team, Bruno, our, our team. team. Beat the previously undefeated Seahawks 37-34. They really shouldn't have, but they did. Yeah, this was an absolutely crazy game. I'm not going to say it all right now because we'll just have to go through it piece by piece. But from an overview of kind of how the game went, so the Cardinals won 37-34 in overtime. But what way before they even won, there were multiple times for both teams that you could have said, oh, the game is over, where it realistically should have been over, and it just kept on being like the other team. It was just punch, counterpunch, punch, counterpunch. It was a crazy game, and we know the Seahawks kind of play these kind of games, and like they just keep having these weird games where it's like something, always cra- something crazy is always going down, and the Seahawks so far have come out on top, but their luck finally ran out in this game, and I, you know, it like I, I will take credit for having a big brain. I'm not going to not take credit for that. But that aside, it was I was just so happy I caught this game because it was amazing to watch. Yeah, this was. I think I would say this is my favorite game I've seen all season. And yeah. I um, when I was making the picks, I I said it in the in the pick six that I'm I'm all in on the Cardinals. I really like them as a team. I just I wasn't going to go against Russell Wilson, and ultimately Russell Wilson played very well, but he. He made he threw he threw three interceptions in this game, and that ultimately was the reason that I think the Cardinals had a chance at the end there. And um, it's I'm glad to see the Seahawks kind of lose a game and kind of fall back to the pack a little bit. Um, but I'm excited about this Cardinals team. They look more and more you know legit as as each week goes on. And Kyler Murray is is such a weapon, and I'm so glad he went number one and that Cliff Kingsbury went with his gut and took him because. He is a matchup nightmare. He can do things, especially like in the red zone, that so many people you can't account for. It's like he he made Bobby Wagner miss on a he was rushing like a scrambling rather, excuse me, where he was like scrambling down in the red zone and he avoids a tackle from Bobby Wagner, who looks like he has him dead to right five yards in the backfield. And before you know it, it's a touchdown for the Cardinals. It's like you you play it perfectly from a defensive standpoint, which is something the Seahawks have not done at all this season. They play no defense. And still, inevitably, Murray finds a way to score. And they're just loaded with receiver depth. Uh, Chase Edmonds looked great. Uh, Kenyon Drink looked good. They're multidimensional. And when you're multidimensional, it's going to ultimately take you to places you want to go. And I think that the uh, good for Cliff Kingsbury because that team is on the up and up. Yeah, exactly. You, you covered a lot right there. A couple more things I want to highlight, though. Speaking of multidimensional, I'm assuming you saw that DK Metcalf crazy highlight, and you'd assume that I'm talking about him catching a pass. Oh, no. Oh, no. That is not the highlight of DK Metcalf I'm talking about. For those who haven't or don't know what I'm about to say or haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and go look it up. Essentially, the Cardinals have the ball, at, or sorry, the Seahawks have the ball at like first and goal or whatever it is at the goal line. They throw a pick. And the Cardinals, I think it's Buda Baker on the Cardinals, gets the ball and starts running and has maybe a like 20-yard head start or something crazy on DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, with the most terrifying combination of size, speed, and strides I have ever seen, runs from his own end zone 
all the way down to like his own like five yard line and tackles Buda Baker before he returns the interception for a score. It was crazy. He caught up to him. Those strides were insane. And the craziest part, which like obviously the Seahawks didn't end up winning, but the Seahawks defense, uh, the Cardinals, they held them. They stopped them on first, second and third down. And the Cardinals went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. So he saved any points. Like literally the Cardinals got zero points out of that returning a uh, interception 95 yards or something. They got zero points out of that thanks to DK Metcalf. It was nuts. Yeah, quite literally DK Metcalf saved the game because uh, it was a stupid decision, I believe, by Cliff Kingsbury not to kick and take the points there. If I take the points, um, they win. The Cardinals win a regulation. I'll, like, uh, I mean, obviously a lot happened after that, but you can probably say that there's a very good chance the Cardinals win that ball game. Um, I saw like a next gen stat. That's a DK Metcalf covered like 128 yards in that sprint. And Bruno's right. When you watch him stride, it's like he's floating. It's, it is completely absurd. And speaking of absurd things about Seahawks receivers, Kurt, I'm not sure if you saw Tyler Lockett's stat line, but he had 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns, one receiver had that. I don't think a Patriots receiver has over 200 yards all season. <laughs> or three touchdowns. No. Oh, man. Yeah, so that was crazy, too. I think just, just to go over some, kind of some other crazy stuff really quick, because I know we want to move on to the Patriots, but worth noting that the Seahawks went up 34-24 to 24 with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, did not score again. The Cardinals tied it up. With two minutes and twenty, or sorry, the Cardinals scored a touchdown with two minutes and twenty-eight seconds left in the fourth quarter to bring them within three, and then got the ball back, end up hitting a field goal as time expired to send it into overtime. So that just shows the kind of like adversity overcome by the Cardinals. And on top of that, in overtime, right, we saw the classic. The uh, I think it was I forget which team called the timeout, but the Cardinals had a chance to win with a field goal. W whatever team called timeout, but he kicked it anyways and made it, and then he re-kicked it after timeout and missed it. And they still came back to stop them, stop the Seahawks, and then win it later. That was the Cardinals who ended up calling the timeout because the play clock was about to expire. Right. The special teams right. coach had to sprint to tell Cliff, call timeout. They call timeout, but the kicker still kicks it and then clear, like dead straight, dead down the middle. Then he hooks it on the next one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did the Seahawks miss a field goal in overtime too? Um, I can't remember. Honestly, I, there's so many things that happened. I can't remember, but probably just considering how many times one of the teams had a chance to win or put the game away and then did not. Yeah, it was crazy. Unbelievable game. Happy for Kyler. Happy for Cliff Kingsbury and happy for the Cardinals. I won that one. And, and happy for us because they're our team. Yeah. Let's just do it now, Bruno. Let's <laughs> declare it right now. Okay. Cardinals fans. We're, this is a Cardinals podcast. We are Cardinals guys. We're, we're Cardinals. both wearing red right now. That's true. You know, big red. red what do they call it? The red zone? Like, well, no. The no shit. <laughs> yes, Kurt. They call it the Red Zone. <laughs> the Red Sea. The Red Sea. That's Ooh, we thought the Red in sea. Arizona. They have like a thing. The Red Zone. God damn it! I'm a fucking idiot. Kurt. That was fantastic. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Last All right. thing before we hop to the Patriots. The Rams beat the Bears oh. last night on Monday Night Football, twenty-four to ten. Bruno, they did it. The Bears looked like frauds. 
Yeah, I mean, finally, about time, because the Bears do not deserve their winning record. I mean, I guess you can kind of say they do because they are going out and actually winning, but it just doesn't feel like they deserve it. Finally, they're kind of put on blast. I don't know what's going on with the Bears because, like, their offense legitimately stinks. Nick Foles, like, I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if it's Foles. I don't know if it's both. Whatever. Their defense certainly gives them a chance to be in most games because their defense is is not terrible, and they only have 24 points. That's not crazy. But, you know, the, the Bears... Not not the best performance I'm seeing out of them. They kind of fall, but you know, good for the Rams because they if they want to have any chance of like high playoff seeds or you know any chance even in the division with the Cardinals and the Seahawks now playing well, they're going to need to continue to get wins however they can. So here's what I'll say about the NFC West. Mm-hmm. I think there's a legitimate chance all four teams from that division make the playoffs. That would be nutty, but like you could wait. So there's seven total teams. So that would mean the NFC West division winner, and then the three wild cards would be from that. All division. from that division. <laughs> that would be f- hilarious, I, Bruno. It is, it is very much on the table. It's on. Hey, it's on the table. The 49ers are in last place with a winning record. Yeah, that doesn't. That's you know. Yeah, that's quite the opposite of what you call the NFC East. Uh, yes, you're 100 correct. <laughs> uh, Big Dick Nick, East, not good. How the hell did the Buccaneers lose that team? I that's a great question, Kurt, because uh I have no idea. Seeing seeing how they played yesterday and seeing how Foles has been playing, it must just be some sort of Foles magic against Tom Brady. That's the only explanation. We should just abolish Thursday night football because there's if that's game played on Sunday, the Bears I mean the Bears lose that game nine times out of ten. Yeah, I, I hard agree. All right, we made it. Oh, but oh, we haven't even started yet. So, did have we made it? Is it too, too early to say we that? Made it to the start of this funeral. Uh, let the proceedings start. Oh my god! All right, let's light ourselves a fire and proceed. <sighs> Bruno, did I mention that I missed Tom Brady? Oh my goodness, Kurt. Uh, well, I can understand why you say that. So, to put it at the very least. The ch- the game in 2014 where the Patriots go to Arrowhead and they get obliterated. Everyone's like, the, "Let's face it, the Patriots aren't good anymore." I was like, LOL, 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 because I knew the Patriots still had Tom Brady. I knew that team was talented. I was like, they're two and two, but the Patriots start like this all the time. They're going to be fine. Well, you blink and they're they're winning a Super Bowl. Now, they're they're sitting at two and three, coming off a bad loss to Denver. Everyone's picking the Patriots like Bill Belichick doesn't lose three in a row. Hasn't happened since 2002. Uh, I'm like, yeah. I, I agree. Cam's going to be great. Bill's going to have him ready to go. They're the Patriots. They don't lose at home back-to-back weeks. Are you stupid? Are you guys stupid? Why would you ever pick the 49ers? Oh. Jimmy G isn't even that good. He's not even that good. They're hurt. The Patriots are going to blow them out. <laughs> oh. 49ers, 33, Pat. Yeah. I it was shocking. Let me say shocking. I guess the Broncos game, while it was shocking to see the actual game in hindsight, it was kind of like, you know, we could do the whole didn't really practice that much. We had two weeks off. It was kind of weird. Cam Newton still coming off COVID, all that sort of stuff. In hindsight, it's I'm struggling to sort of say anything really about this game at all. Like it was just garbage. And some of it was expected. 
like maybe the offense hadn't been playing well. So I guess some of that was expected, but the unexpected, the defense, I mean, what Kurt, what was happening with our defense? It was, they looked so uninspired on the defense side of the ball, at least the week before in the Broncos game, they held them to six field goals. The defense was put in a terrible, terrible spot in the Broncos game and they held their own. They made, they made the best of the opportunities that they had. Um, the same cannot be said this 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 week, and we will we will get into that. But you know, like I mentioned, three straight losses the Patriots. They drop to uh, they have a three game losing streak for the first time in eighteen years, which is just unfathomable that that's a real stat. But um, I think I think the place you have to start is with number one. It's with Cam Newton. It's he has looked like a train wreck since coming back from COVID this week alone, three more interceptions, all of which, all of which were his fault. Every single one of the interceptions was a terrible throw. Um, He just looked, he just looked so uncomfortable. He uh, skipped the ball on third down to a wide open Demir bird. He missed Demir bird wide open for a touchdown deep. He threw a hospital ball to Nikhil Harry, who was wide open, knocks him out of the game with a concussion. There was a terrible pass to James white in the flat. Uh, gets him hurt. James White doesn't come back the rest of the game. Um, it's just Cam looks so out of rhythm, and it's so weird to me because in the in the Miami game and in the uh, Seattle game, Cam looked like, hold on a minute, this guy could be back in the MVP conversation because he looked that good. I don't know. We've taken a massive, a massive, and a very quick 180 because he looks like he might not deserve a job in the NFL ever again. Yeah, and what's really confusing to me is that it almost feels like he's like succumbing to pressure or stress. But like you said, it would be different if this is how he started the season, right? Like if this is like the whole time, right? We knew this was a contract year because he signed a one-year deal. He's very clearly looking for a big payday at the end of this year. So like I would understand, I guess, if this is how he started the season, right? But the fact that he started playing like really, really well, like you and I remember we're coming off of week one and week two talking about his arm strength. He was whipping the ball and his accuracy. He was throwing it downfield in the Seattle game. All those crazy like marching us down the field. Like we were talking about how he was just playing so well and it didn't seem like anything was getting to him. And then it's like, what happened? Like, did he just all of a sudden realize he's playing well? Did he get cocky? Did he let kind of like the pressure get to him? Like, I don't really know what's going on, but like, it's clear that the talent is there because we saw it in the games earlier, right? Like, it's not like we didn't see it. We did see it. So I don't know if this is a mental thing. I don't know if it's a COVID thing because, again, there's still a lot of that we don't know. I don't know if it's a practicing because, again, it still is a new team. And, you know, it's not like he's been here for years. So maybe it's a combination of all those. But you're right. It is a it, we have taken a massive step back. And, like, basically, we're at a critical juncture about where our season's going to go. And it all starts with which cam is going to show up. I agree. It to me, it looks like a comfort thing for Cam. Cam looked really comfortable running read option in week one. Haven't seen a ton of that lately. He looked really comfortable against Seattle. He was making here's the thing about the Seattle game. Cam like knew where he was going to go with the ball and he was confident about it, right? I mean, this is a minuscule thing, but I remember so vividly in that Seattle game, he threw like a five yard out to Demir Bird that the timing was so good and the chemistry was so good that Demir bird hadn't even gotten out of his break yet. Head wasn't even looking at cam cam makes a throw, puts it on him first down for the Patriots. Well, 
I don't know if I've seen a throw like that since the Seattle game because it just looks out of rhythm, out of syncs, out of sync, out, not on time. And that's so much about being an NFL quarterback. Cam's like, um, wrote like a, they were showing like his um, from snap to release of the ball was the highest it's been like ever at last week. It was over like 3.4 seconds, which is unheard of in the NFL. Yeah, that's Every, an eternity. Yeah, almost everybody's at like 2.5-ish. And so when you hold on to the ball, either A, you're not understanding what you're, what you're seeing from a defensive perspective, or B, uh, the receivers aren't separating. And I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. However, I have seen, I've rewatched the game, and I've seen plenty of stuff on Twitter that has shown you there were people open, okay? <laughs> there were people open. Cam's not hitting them. So it's it was a train wreck from an offensive standpoint this this week. And I have a whole bunch of, you know, bullets that we can go off of and stuff, but I I want to get this out of the way because I put something on my Instagram about it and stuff. Can we finally say now that like it's going back to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady being a system quarterback, right? Well, everyone for the first two weeks was like, yep, told you. You put anybody in there and look what happens because look what Cam Newton's doing. Well, now can we finally freaking say that Tom Brady, that that system that everyone was talking about was not the Patriot system. That is a Tom Brady system, and he's doing similar things. He, I think what you're seeing in Tampa Bay is in weeks one and two when they didn't look that good. That was way more of the Bruce Arians offense, Okay. Now, as they're starting to really uptick and they're starting to take off, they're incorporating way more of the shit you saw when he was in New England because it's more of Tom Brady's offense. So don't come in here and tell me that anyone can be in the Patriots system and succeed because they're two and four and they're staring the division leader right in the face this week. So it's it's not going to get any easier for the Patriots. And it's been bothering me because Tom Brady was such a special player and I I'm very, very happy to see that he's getting recognition from people that had completely counted him out for so long because he deserves that. He's that good. But like enough is enough like with that whole shit. Okay. Cam Newton is not Tom Brady. Cam Newton will never be Tom Brady. And it's not just the Patriot system. It's Tom Brady system. And that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. And I don't have much to say other than I agree. It's kind of like it's the Tom Brady system rather than the Patriot system at this point, yes. because, you know, he's bringing that with him to Tampa Bay and clearly he's producing. We see the numbers. We see the stats. It's it's looking great for Tom Brady. I will also just add to further your point, right? Like it's not like our offensive system other than maybe like Damian Harris and a couple rookie tight ends is that much different than it was last year. So like if you were talking about like, oh, the system itself changed, not really. Like we still kind of have the main receivers and the main guys we had last year. And like I, you know, I, I would be we're never we're not really going to know this. It's it's a kind of like an impossible hypothetical. But like if you put Tom Brady on the team right now, it's probably looking better on offense than it has the last two weeks. So right. And here it's tough. Here, here's something that's interesting, right? The Patriots quarterbacks this season have thrown three touchdowns oh, in six games. They've thrown 11 interceptions. They have the least touchdown passes in the NFL and the most interceptions in the NFL. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> That's not exactly what you're looking for from your quarterback spot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tom Brady Yikes. has 18 touchdowns in Tampa Bay. So, I so Kurt, uh, should we start running the Wildcat? Thoughts? Fuck, maybe. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Cam rushed for four touchdowns in the first two weeks, which is great. Tom it's Brady true. can't do that. It's but true. like, 
Yeah. Here's what I'll say, Bruno. I think okay. I think it's out there now how you defend the Patriots, and I think it's I think that could be also what's causing issues, right? So here, here's time for Kurt's nerd nerdler of the week. Okay. So, in the NFL, you see a lot of teams run like a, a coverage scheme with two with two high safeties. Well, a strong safety and a free safety. The free safety is kind of like your center fielder. He's way back there. He's there to. Uh, for coverage breaks down, he's the, the last line of defense. Your strong safety is more of the Patrick T- Patrick Chung type who can drop down into the box, so on and so forth. Well, when the Patriots are on offense this year, they're seeing cover one, meaning, or not cover one, yeah, one high, one high safety. So they're eliminating that other safety and bringing another person into the box. I know I've mentioned this before about a numbers game, how Cam Newton evens the numbers game, okay? But what's happening here is that their other team is like, we're not putting a safety on the field. We'll bring a linebacker in or something to spy Cam Newton. So now, rather than having the numbers advantage even or up one for you, you're either even sometimes or more times than not down a player. So basically, that is eliminating the Patriots from being able to call those quarterback reads or the quarterback draws, rather, because there's another player in the box to account for Cam Newton. So you have your two corners and you have your one safety. And the defense is saying, okay, we know what you have for receivers. No, nobody's going to be able to separate and beat us one on one. So we're going to put that guy in the box so you can't run the, cure, the the read option. You can't run quarterback draw, and we're going to make you throw it. And when the Patriots face cover one this year, Cam Newton's completion percentage is like twenty eight percent. Yeah, simply not good. Um, and I think, I think a large issue right now is Julian Edelman is hurt. I mean, he is a it. It makes me so sad to see Julian Edelman operate the way he's been operating because he is a he is a shell of his former self. And I think that wouldn't have been wouldn't be different even if Tom was here. Jules just looks old. He looks really, really old. The Patriots have no big play capabilities on the season. They have the fewest plays over twenty yards of any team in the NFL. They have 12 plays over 20 yards and like five of them are runs, six of them are runs. Um, the next closest in the NFL is 16. There's no big playability. Um, the, the offense just looks so out of sync and it's weird because Damian Harris runs the ball so well. The offensive line when they're healthy is a dominant offensive line and they just can't seem to marry the the two, the run offense and the pass offense together. And it's, it's, it's going to be an issue going forward. There's, I don't, I don't really see a solution and we'll get into trade deadline stuff in a second, but well, I'm going to talk about this quickly because if the Patriots were able to have somebody who could stretch the field and who, you know, could win one-on-one consistently, let's, I mean, this is obviously never, ever going to happen because he signed with the Cardinals, but let's just say for, for shits and giggles, Deandre Hopkins is on the Patriots. Okay. You're not seeing anybody play cover one with one high safety because you have to allocate somebody else to help on DeAndre Hopkins. So that automatically takes that person I was talking about who is playing in the box and puts him back into coverage. Okay. You're not going to double, double cover Demir Bird. You're not going to double cover Jacoby Myers. You're not going to double cover Ryan Izzo. You're not going to double cover Julian Edelman right now because there's no need to do any of those things. Okay, so if the Patriots had somebody like that on the outside who could stretch the field, who would demand more than one person in coverage, now you're now you're allowing the Patriots to get back to some of these play calls that they were running in weeks one and two, which which would be nice to have. 
I don't know if they're necessarily going to go out and do that because I don't know if Bill thinks it's worth it at this point, and we'll get into that. But it's just it's been so frustrating to watch. I feel like the goddamn Chicago Bears. Yeah, and that's not a great feeling. I mean, you did just – I mean, you broke it down way better than I could have. The only thing I'll add is that, like, what we've always seen kind of is Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator and, you know, probably Bill Belichick and the whole rest of the staff, but them being able to adapt very well. And we always talk about us changing the game plan every week, matching it to our specific strengths, telling people to do their job, very adaptable, you know. And we even saw that to start the season a little bit, right? We saw the first game a lot of – running from Cam Newton. We saw the second game, a lot of more emphasis on passing. It is very alarming to see what we've long seen with Tom Brady and with his different stable of pass catchers and running backs and being able to be flexible and adaptable and like adjust as necessary. It's been alarming so far to see that not at all happening in this second half of what we've seen from our game so far. So uh, it's, we've shown the ability in the past to kind of get, be flexible when we can. I don't know if it's just a situation now where we just simply like, you know, the quarterback play of Tom Brady in the past masked kind of the lack of talent or the lack of pieces. I don't know if that's not the case where now like it's that's not happening. I don't necessarily know what it is, but I'm I, I re- I'm really holding out hope like, you know, I'm really holding out hope that we can start to see some sort of changes go into effect that are going to start being positive rather than just continuing the torch that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, 100 percent. And again, <laughs> The tight end issue, the tight ends last year were terrible. Like Ben Watson was there, Matt Lacoste was there, and it was Ryan Izzo. And they got almost no production out of the tight ends position. And then they addressed it this year by going out and drafting two tight ends in the third round, Asiasi and Dalton Keene. And it was week seven. And for the first time all season, we, a rookie caught a, caught a pass. Dalton Keene got one. Asiasi was a healthy scratch. Okay. And Bill Belichick was asked about it after the game and was like, well, we only have room for one of them to be active right now. So you're telling me <laughs> both third round picks who are tight ends can't be active together because you don't have anywhere on the roster for them to be like, then why? <laughs> then what are we doing here? What's the point? What's the point? Because Ryan Izzo, very capable blocking tight end, isn't doing a ton in the passing game. And when he does, he's made a couple of mistakes. He's dropped a couple of passes. He had a bad fumble. Like it hasn't been pretty. You're getting again, zero production from your tight end spot. You're like completely eliminating it. And I know Bill Belichick was like the first coach to implement the two tight end thing with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. And I'm not saying Dalton Keene and Asiasi are those two guys, but I don't know what Bill's doing. He went from like, we're going to play, put an offense out there with the, two tight ends that's something the nfl never does to now we're going to put one tight end out there and we're never ever ever going to look at it <laughs> i don't i don't i don't get it i don't get uh. it my one last thing about cam newton and then i'll get off my cam newton soapbox something's not right with cam newton from a mechanical standpoint he's 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 off his front foot comes flying open and it's led to a lot of bad passes um but this you know why I like to put in these wild stats every once in a while, Bruno? I have a wild stat for you, okay? Hit me with it. Hit me, baby, one more time. One more time. So, wild stat. On his last 40 throws, Bruno, that's 4-0, 40, okay? 40? Cam Newton has thrown outside the numbers to his right three times. Three out of 40, Kurt. That's uh, not a high percentage. Bruno... What hand does Cam Newton throw with? 
Um, Kurt, why don't you do the honors of telling he, us? Because I know you he's want a to. righty. Okay. So more times than not, right-handed quarterbacks will have tendency to throw the ball to the right. I'm not saying throwing the ball to the right is going to solve the Patriots issues. It is just bananas that that is the case that he's not even looking to that side of the field, Bruno. He's not even looking that direction. When If you're a defense and you can be confident in saying that whole third of the field, we don't have to defend. It makes the game way fucking easier for the defense. So I'm not going to lie to you, Kurt. While you were talking, not to interrupt, I was trying to think of some way to work in one direction into something with Cam Newton, but it was too obvious because he's literally just looking in one direction. So you were looking at me to like interject with something, and my brain was like one direction, one direction, one direction, and I couldn't do anything. But I'm just going to let you know that was my thought process. Well, the one direction the Patriots offense is going is south because it's been terrible. (laughs) Let's go. That's Kurt back in action, baby. God help me. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's transition quickly to the defense. Okay. Ugh, do we have to? We Kurt? have to because the defense looked like dog <laughs> shit. Uninspired, couldn't tackle. <sighs> Let's start at the top. Bruno, to this point in the season, who would you say is the Patriots' defensive MVP? Uh, have to say Gilmore, right? I think Gilmore is definitely in consideration. He's not my MVP. My MVP is Chase Winovich. Oh, I've, how, how could I get that wrong? I knew you're a huge Chase Winovich guy. Bruno. How come, again, the Denver game, Chase Winovich only played 19 snaps? And then how come in this game, Chase Winovich only played 13 snaps? If he's your defensive MVP, how the hell is he not on the field more? Yeah, I, I, I can partially answer that and not because of this is what I think. I definitely saw on Twitter there were people saying like he took a penalty and missed an assignment and then Bill did his classic thing where he's like, fuck you, you're not playing because you messed yes, up. Yes, so he did. Uh, there was a the Patriots on the fourth play of the game. Bruno counted one, two, three, four, fourth play. I will not count. you. I'm not you're a right. guy. But I'll tell you, on the fourth play, the Patriots put out 10 people on defense, okay? So from a communication standpoint, the Patriots coaches, whether it's John Mayo, Steve Belichick, Bill Belichick, whoever it is, couldn't get the right personnel on the field. Everyone was saying that Chase Winovich was the guy who should have been on the field. Um, Now, mind you, this is coming off of last week against Denver when the Patriots had to waste four timeouts thanks to defensive personnel substitutions. Okay, so clearly something's not going on there. That's that's terrible coaching. That's bad coaching. Okay, so Chase Winovich misses the fourth play of the game, and then he takes on Jimmy Garoppolo's first interception of the game to Devin McCourty. 50 yards away from the play, Winovich goes after Garoppolo, and it it didn't end well for for Winovich. He got an earful, an earful from Bill Belichick. Uh, so potentially that's why he only got 13 snaps. But but going back to your point, if you are an MVP and you're playing at a high level and we need you to win. It's it comes to a certain point where like I know that's your philosophy, but like we kind of need him on the field. So what like what are we right, doing? We here? do need him on the field. I wonder if the Patriots are like, okay, I don't think you're very good in a run game. I don't think you can stop the run the run defense. If you can only rush the passer, yeah. that's what we're gonna put you in for. And obviously, when you play the Kyle Shanahan offense, uh, that is outside zone runs, get wide, get the edge, uh, seal you. If you can't defend the run, that you're that's gonna be bad. Yeah, if you can't defend the run against a team that plugs and plays some random ass Jeff Wilson Jr. who goes for 112 yards, Kurt, I don't know what you th- what, what what we're gonna yeah, do. And guess what? More's coming because the Ravens 
outside zone. The um, oh, Kirk, come on, who the fuck is it? The Rams outside zone. So Bill Belichick, I don't know if you saw this on the CBS broadcast. Also, probably the last time Nance and Romo are going to call a Patriots game for quite some time because why would you ever waste the top CBS pairing on the Patriots right now? Because they are the Patriots are tarsh. Um, <laughs> they mentioned that. Bill Belichick went back to the defense he ran in the Super Bowl versus the Rams that absolutely obliterated the Rams offense. They went to a six front. So basically, the 49ers were able to get the edge whenever they wanted against the Patriots. And Bel- Belichick's like, screw this. We're going to put four down linemen and two ed- two edge guys. And we're hopefully we'll have success like we did in the Super Bowl. And there was no success, Bruno, because what Kyle Shanahan did was – genius he would put people on motion running jet sweep he would he would uh motion people across the formation and run it as a screen to get outside the edge defender i mean another ridiculous stat jimmy garoppolo throws for 277 yards okay that sounds pretty good on the surface that's a lot for jimmy g almost 200 of them bruno okay uh, am i ready for this 200 Kurt? of them were yards after the catch oh that's just disgusting. That makes me want to. So, peek. you're telling me Jimmy Garoppolo only completed passes, 20 passes almost. I don't know. How many passes did he complete? Do you know? Do you have it up? Yeah, 20 for 25. 20 passes. Only that went 77 yards in the air. That's, that's unbelievable. Check down after check down after check down to screen. But hey, Brandon Ayuk um, and then Samuel, too. Th- those guys, those guys are good. George Kittle, run after catch. I mean, that – oh, my God. It's everything I wish the Patriots offense could be. Yeah, and just to add on to that point, I just felt like it was absurd just how easy it looked for these guys on the 49ers who were catching the ball to either make us miss or just to get those extra yards. Like, it felt like almost every single play, it was one of those, like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Like, one of those moments because we either couldn't tackle them or we missed tackles or guys ran straight by them or whatever it was. It was it was just a frustrating sight to see with all those yaks. Yeah, wait, yards yeah, after yeah. yak with all the yak that we saw. Bruno. Do you remember seeing the clip that went viral about Belichick saying how he likes when a good play is made, he likes that the defense gets up, is hooting and hollering, celebrating, acting like they just made a good play? Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, there was absolutely none of that this week. The energy. Yep. And I don't don't give me the bullshit. There are no fans in the stands. That's the same shit for everyone, okay? <laughs> there was absolutely no energy from the Patriots defense. I know the offense wasn't doing anything either, but like typically you've seen the Patriots if the offense can't do anything. The defense will pick up the slack. Defense did not pick up the slack this week. They, they looked lethargic. They looked slow. They looked like a waste of space. Um, it was, it was a terrible, terrible defensive performance. And I think so glaringly the linebacker position was terrible because well, first off, Brandon Copeland got hurt. Taurus Peck, he's out for the year. So yeah. our linebacker depth, linebacker depth is already bad, and now it takes another hit. Okay, Juwan Bentley was phenomenal, phenomenal in the Broncos game. Well, the, he was rushing the passer, and he was stopping the run. This week, okay, he was terrible. He was caught in the – he had like the receiver out of the backfield sometimes, couldn't keep up with him. 
He was terrible in the run game this week because it was a lot of toss. I mean, I've never seen a team be able to run toss sweep and get literally eight yards every fucking time. It was nauseating to watch. And it's it just they have so many holes. They have so many holes. It's just I I don't know where this team goes from here, Bruno. Yeah, I it's I can only just agree strongly with what you said. Um, It felt like a lot of the things we had even seen done well in the past or in previous games this year did not go well for this game. Some of the exactly like you said, even though the Broncos game was kind of disgusting, there were still things that the defense did well. Those disappeared this game. It's I feel like this is just one of those games or not. Sorry, not. It's not just one of those games. This is one of those times where we're going to need to see what happens moving forward. And like either this will be kind of like their turning point either way, right? Like either we're going to come back and be fired up and pissed off that we played this bad. Bill's going to light him up. We're going to start to see play better. Maybe it starts this week with a Bill's win. We'll see kind of what happens with that. Or this will be the week when we kind of first realized that this is going to be a terrible season because I think you pretty much nailed it last week with the Broncos, right? Like looking back at that game, we could be like, Oh, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why we played bad. We don't have the same thing this week. So I think it's, it's going to be very, very interesting moving forward. Like we're kind of running out of time to be like, Oh yeah, Cam will figure it out. Our defense, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's now it's either this game is the start of us going tarsh mode, or this is the start of us going to figure it out and beat the bills and get back on track. So yeah i don't know dude i don't know i had said last week or i think i said on pick six if the patriots lost the game to the 49ers look out because a fire sale could be coming um i think that might have been slightly premature but i think we're trending in that direction if they lose to the bills it's over that's what I was going to say. Yeah, like because at least we can still say the Bills are kind of sliding. The records aren't great in our division. If we win this game against the Bills, things are very much still very much on the table. If we lose this again, and now what? It's four in a row that we would have lost if we lose to the Bills? If Yeah, so it would be four in a row, and we would drop three and a half out of first place. Yeah, if that happens, and again, it's not like we can be like, oh, we'll count on Tom Brady because he's done it time and time again. We're not on that anymore, right? So I, it is going to be very interesting if we start to get, uh, uh, so if we start to become sellers, because Kurt, I, I don't even know how to handle that. I, it's something we've never had to endure as Patriots fans, Bruno. Yeah. So I think that brings me to like the last point talking about the trade deadline. Okay. <sighs> if they lose to Buffalo and they drop to two and five, which is, that just sounds so, that just sounds fake. Literally. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think Gilmore's gone. We are already hearing about it today. Okay. He's on the block, I guess. And Belichick could get something for him for sure. Belichick could get a, a, a probably a first round pick, second round pick, and try to stock picks that way. Uh, Joe Tooney you know, playing on the franchise tag this year, he could be on the block. Okay, there's I saw today Julian Edelman. He could be on the block. I don't know who wants him right now because he's damaged goods at this point. But I saw it. It was on the Athletics, so I know it's not like from this bullshit website that the Buccaneers have already called about Edelman. I would literally, I would, I would combust. I mean, that would be absurd. I would literally combust. I, would he even play on the Bucks? Why would that? <laughs> There's no room for Julian Edelman on the Bucks. I wonder if he would just go to <laughs> be with Tom. Yeah, he just he would just be on the team as like the the practice squad I guy. Mean, he he. I don't know if he would play. I, that's what I'm. I'm literally saying that. There's no room for. But him and it brings me back to my point that I was talking about before. Okay, say they win the game. Okay, they go to three and four, and they're only one and a half out of first place. We've mentioned Buffalo trending in the wrong direction. Okay. 
Buffalo trending in the wrong direction. Typically, the Patriots figure out their shit as the year goes on. Obviously, this is a different season, so we don't know. But um, I was mentioning if you go out and get a receiver that you can, you know, let's just say it's A.J. Green. Let's say the Patriots go big and they get someone like Julio Jones, okay? Is that worth giving up like a first-round pick for? Just to get you back to zero. And by that, I mean you're bad right now. Your offense is bad. Okay. So going and spending draft capital to get someone like Julio Jones or AJ Green gets you back to average. So is being average worth the draft capital? Kurt, I'm not going to lie to you. It almost feels like you're suggesting and arguing and wanting us to lose to the Bills next week. That That's almost kind of what I'm getting from you right now. <laughs> I just think it's, a, I think it's a lost cause. And it's hard to say that after six games. It's just I don't want to see that. We went after Mohamed Sanu last year with a second-round pick, and it ended up to be terrible. Okay, The Patriots can't afford to do that again this year and waste draft picks, okay? There's no doubt they're getting younger. The Patriots are getting younger, okay? And Belichick's actually hit on some draft picks lately. But it's... I don't know what I expect, Bruno. I don't know. But this... I said it last week that this was the most important Pats game of the year. I'm saying it again this week. If they lose this week, get ready for Armageddon because it's coming. Get ready for officially sad boy season because that's what it's going to be if we lose to the bills it's it's already sad boy but yeah well you already started you can already say it started but yeah i agree i i don't even know like the more i'm kind of digesting what you're saying i kind of agree i definitely don't want us to go crazy acquiring a, a crazy wide receiver with how cam has been playing even though you can kind of argue that maybe that's what he needs to play better so it's like kind of that weird relationship if we can maybe get someone without giving up too much like obviously not a top guy but like a middle guy that could help maybe but again I, I, it's like would would that even help your point of like would that even help us do anything this year right I don't know. And, be, and like it i he didn't have these kind of weapons in carolina and he was mvp so i don't know is it the play calling is it is it mcdaniels is it the is it I don't know. I have no idea. It's gonna. It makes me angry. Yeah, I Kurt. I really don't have anything to say other than just you know go Cardinals. Oh yeah, Cardinals podcast. <laughs> Cardinals don't forget logo, it. I think on our new. Uh, Ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But um. Not really stats guy. But yeah, Abby stats guy. <laughs> um. Any final th- thoughts? T H O T S is Bruno. <sighs> well, I mean. I haven't decided anything yet, but in a little sneak peek of our upcoming pick six, I have not picked against the Patriots all season. I don't believe, even though you could argue I should have, and you did, and you won. I have, I think, I, I again, stats guy, look this up. I don't think I've picked against the Patriots all year. I, that might be changing this weekend, Kurt. That, let me let's just put and it. And not way. to spoil anything, but before the season, I've said I think Buffalo wins both games against the Patriots head to head this year. Oh, uh, so put that in your brain, let it marinate. Oh God, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to marinate her. Oh, Bruno, it's time to end the podcast. Yeah, well, we'll see you next time on playing, playing the field. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you, Tom. <laughs>